Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, Canada's top doctor confirms the country is in a sixth wave of COVID-19. Multiple indicators from average daily case counts to lab test positivity and wastewater signals indicate increasing transmission in recent weeks. Unfortunately, we're now beginning to see rising severity trends as well. Families seeking to resettle relatives fleeing Ukraine speak out about delays in Canada's immigration application process. The situation in Ukraine is heartbreaking and is extremely uh, close to home for many people across the country who have family members and friends uh, in Ukraine and that's why uh, we're also stepping up with them. We've launched uh, rapid processes and every immigration or refugee situation is different but we've launched processes adapted to the reality of uh, people uh, seeking to come here from Ukraine Uh, so that we can bring in as many people as possible, as quickly as possible. And Jean Charest says he would expand parental leave and allow pregnant women to access the federal child care benefit. Charest is uh, reviving, I think, to some degree, that um, element in the Conservative Party that still wants to talk about those types of issues. It's Wednesday, April 13th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by longtime political writer and broadcaster, Dan Legere. Good morning, Dan. Hi, Mark. So we are into a sixth wave of COVID-19, according to Dr. Teresa Tam. And uh, that's obviously going to be of concern to a lot of Canadians. And and by the way, I think a lot of people I talk to are not going to be surprised to hear that, given that... um, they, I think everybody seems to know a lot of people who have, have contracted COVID in the last month or so. Um, and uh, I guess the question is, what does that mean from a public policy point of view? Because I think there is a growing realization that at some point, uh, whether it's the right thing to do or not, many Canadians are not going to accept lockdowns or further measures. They're so tired of them. And even if that would be the most effective way to stop the spread of the virus, there might be more resistance the longer this pandemic continues. Yeah. Well, I I don't think there's any doubt uh, that uh, we're in this sixth wave. Um, I I know down here on the East Coast where we did really well in the early year, the first year or so of the pandemic, almost two years, uh, it's just rampant here now and it's almost out of control. Uh, The only thing that keeps it from being an outright disaster is the fact that so many people are triple vaxxed and they're not ending up in the hospital or in critical care. Um, but it, it's certainly, it's running wild. And as soon as they drop the mask requirements and all that, that's exactly what happened, as many of us predicted. Uh, but I, I certainly take your point. I don't think there's, uh, you know, a, a, there are going to be people who will resist any new measures or restored measures to combat the pandemic. And I think we're really in a bad st- uh, state now because we have a foot in both worlds where we have this sort of liberalization of things. And, you know, I, I see ads for, you know, East Coast Music Night, you know, and I, I know people are just cracking to get out and hear some fiddles and that sort of stuff. And yet at the same time, every place you go like that is potentially dangerous. So, ah, uh, man, it, it's really a tough spot. 
And, um, you know, I guess we have to just keep on getting boosted and keep on being careful. Uh, I mean, I was in a grocery store yesterday. I only saw one or two people without masks on, but it's probably quite different in different parts of the country. Yeah, and in different circumstances as well. I, I, uh, I know that there are many places where masks are no longer required, that people are still wearing them as a courtesy to others and, and perhaps to feel more secure themselves if they're in an environment where a lot of people are masked. And then you can go to a different place and, and nobody's wearing a mask. So, uh, it. yeah, it's, it's, it's really interesting. And, and there's a lot of... You know, there's there's simple, straightforward public policy, and then there's the the psychology to all of this. I think, and and that's well, that's almost the most important part of it now, Mark, because you've got people saying, "Well, masks don't work, obviously, because we still have a pandemic." But that isn't even logical. But this is so many people think those things. They'll say, "Well, vaccines don't work because we still have a pandemic." Well, the reason there's still a pandemic is that people don't get vaccinated or people don't take basic precautions to avoid infection. And, and this is the, the absolutely infuriating part of this, is that the same people who uh, managed to drag this thing out into a sixth wave are now turning around and saying, well, none of these measures work, obviously, because it's going on. It, it's, uh, I don't know, it, you just bang your head, but there's not much you can do to get through to them. Yeah. All right, let's turn to uh, the plight of Ukrainian refugees. And there are people saying that Canada is not doing enough and that there are delays in the immigration application process. Um, what can we do to remedy this and make it easier for families who are fleeing Ukraine uh, to have a place to, to settle? Well, uh, you know, this is a complicated matter because when you have masses of people in the millions now who are on the move in Eastern Europe. And let's face it, the countries of Eastern Europe, Poland, the, you know, the neighboring countries, uh, Romania, Poland, places like that that are, are, are the neighbors of Ukraine are carrying most of the burden. And they can't be expected to vet every single person who comes across the border with a suitcase, you know, and uh, so it is going to take a little bit of time and it is a rush to get it done. But uh, uh, certainly Canada can put more people in the field. I think that's probably already in process um, uh, that you can get people into the border areas. But right now it's, it's too dangerous to have a lot of Canadians on the ground in Kiev due to the violence there, uh, maybe they can start working their way back as Kiev seems to be under less pressure now from the Russians. Uh, but, um, yeah, there, there does have to be measures in place to, to do this because this isn't going away, Mark. This happened with Syrians and other people, Afghanis, people from the Middle East and South Asia uh, who have been caught up in these mass movements of humanity and like every country in the world, Canada is going to have to find ways to make this almost routine. Uh, but don't forget, Mark, there is a substantial uh, constituency in Canada that is against bringing new people in from anywhere in the world. And, and a lot of those people are going to be heard during the conservative leadership campaign that's going on right now. And that is one of the fine lines that government has to walk. Mm. All right, let's turn to the conservative leadership race. It's certainly been interesting over the last week. Um, 
I know there are people talking about how this is turning into scorched earth and it's going to divide the party and 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 raise all these issues that Canadians are going to turn away. But, uh, you know, I have to I happen happen to be of the view that when you look at history, there are lots of supposedly divisive leadership races, and that doesn't stop either the liberals or the conservatives from from forming a government in the in the future. Uh, there was a time when the liberals supposedly were divided between Kretsche and Martin. They got over that. Um, so it, it you can rebuild after a leadership race. But uh, it is interesting to see Jean Charest staking out territory in in uh, things like child care benefits being extended to pregnant women, extended parental leave. Um, and at a time when the Liberals and the NDP are aligned and more progressive policies are being introduced in the federal budget, that's uh, an interesting spot for Jean Charest to, uh, to take. Yes, and I think this is healthy. I mean, you know, the Conservative Party has not always been some kind of, uh, you know, uh, pale reflection of the U.S. Republicans. It's had perfectly sensible policies over many, many decades that benefited people that weren't just uh, populist uh, tricks and talking points and that uh, were proposals that uh, would, uh, you know, help people on the individual level, help people and families. Um, but, you know, these these types of discussions have been left behind in the Conservative Party, really, since it became the Conservative Party, since uh, the early days of Stephen Harper's leadership, where the word social program or, or uh, uh, you know, this type of, of um, a program weren't even discussed. It was just, well, we'll give them the tax breaks and people can make up their own minds. And uh, so Sheree is uh, reviving, I think, to some degree, that um, element in the Conservative Party that still wants to talk about those types of issues. Now, whether or not, uh, you know, that will end up being what's on the plate of the party in general after the leadership uh, remains to be seen. But, uh, you know, and, and don't forget, Mark, when the Liberals tore themselves to pieces over Charest and Martin, that ushered in a long period of opposition and frustration and third party status and all kinds of bad things flowed yep. out of the the Chrétien Martin rivalry, and um, it just depends on how graceful the losers are in these types of things. I mean, it, it de- and a lot depends on the individual candidates whether they're the kind of person who says, "Okay, I lost, but I'm going to put my shoulder behind the wheel and help the party uh, achieve what they think is right for the country." So, um, you know, I, I don't know whether the the target audience of Polyev is going to be that type of uh, uh, of uh, have that type of response or whether they'll be more like uh, Maxime Bernier and pick up their toys and leave and start a rival party and, and just cause trouble for the conservatives. So they've got a long way to go, uh, but they're going to have to start at some point. They're going to have to make some decisions about what they really want to be after the leadership is settled. Yeah. Great point, Stan. Thank you so much for joining us today. Okay, Mark. That's longtime political writer and broadcaster Dan Legere. I can assure you uh, that the Immigration Department and indeed the entire government is doing everything we can to welcome as many people as we can. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In the line, Jyoti Hare argues Canada doesn't seem to know what emergency really means. She writes... Prime Minister Trudeau recently announced additional measures to help Ukrainians fleeing war, like short-term income support 
and temporary hotel accommodations. But it's getting to Canada that's proving the biggest hurdle. Refugees trying to flee the war in Ukraine will likely choose to go to the safest place they can get to the fastest. For most, Canada won't be in the running. While Canada's program looks good in theory and makes for good headlines, how helpful it is on the ground is questionable. In the Financial Post, Joe Oliver argues the 2022 budget could have been even worse. Oliver writes, We had every reason to fear the federal budget, especially in light of the NDP's sellout to the Liberals. Although Finance Minister Christia Freeland did not disappoint with $60 billion in new spending, it could have been even worse based on the government's previous profligacy until global uncertainty intervened. Most troubling, it does not meaningfully address economic growth by lowering taxes and reducing suffocating regulations. A laser focus on growth would have helped a multitude of fiscal, economic, and social problems. Still, I suppose we should be relieved, though hardly gratified, that it could have been even worse. At ctvnews.ca, Don Martin argues the personal antipathy between Jean Charest and Pierre Poilievre is damaging the Conservatives beyond repair. Martin writes, The race to become Canada's official opposition leader is at the scorched earth stage, with a month to go before the first debate even starts raising the temperature to a boil. One can only imagine what the public will think of either frontrunner's qualifications for leadership if this blitzkrieg of character assassination continues for the five more months until voting day. It sets up the spectacle of the first governing party of Confederation being ripped in two while the liberal enemy is laughing on the sidelines. Now here's what's coming up on today's political agenda. The Prime Minister will be in Laval, Quebec, where he will meet with local families to discuss investments in housing arising from the budget. He will also meet with the Mayor of Laval. Treasury Board President Mona Fortier will make an announcement in Brampton, Ontario, about measures that support access to affordable housing. Minister of Families Karina Gould will be in Windsor and Chatham, Ontario, to highlight funding for the housing sector. In Halifax, Labour Minister Seamus O'Regan will speak about housing initiatives in the budget. Public Safety Minister Marco Mendicino will speak about budget investments in the housing sector in Whitby, Ontario, and across the Durham region. Emergency Preparedness Minister Bill Blair will be in Whitehorse to talk about intergovernmental coordination in emergency preparedness and response. Northern Affairs Minister Dan Vandal will speak about budget investments in housing in Yellowknife and Iqaluit. And NDP leader Jagmeet Singh will hold a news conference in Vancouver before hosting a roundtable with community members and dental professionals. This evening, he'll participate in IFTAR with community leaders in Burnaby. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Wednesday, April 13th. Tune into Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.